I invite you to pray with me. Loving God, we give thanks that we gather to sing your praise and to continue to hear a word from you. Just like the subtle breeze, we pray that you would speak to us in the stillness of our hearts and that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. So we're in week four of this series, The Green Bible. And so if you're just catching up with us on this series, you might be wondering, well, what is this pastor talking about with a green Bible? Well, it's a reference to an actual Bible that I have that I bought when I was in divinity school that was put together by a number of scholars and writers. And just like some of us might have heard of the red letter Bible, where the words of Jesus are highlighted in the color red, so we can see the emphases that Jesus has throughout his ministry. Well, the green letter Bible are words throughout the Bible where the various authors are talking about our interconnection to the land and about creation itself, because one of the major themes throughout the Bible is our connectedness to the earth. And we began this series by talking about God's goodness and how God made all things good, and that we can see it throughout the koalows, we can see it when we look out into the ocean, that God's goodness is just everywhere we go. But we didn't just stop there and we moved on to the next week where we talked about how we can literally see God in those places and how God shows up in creation like the burning bush with Moses or for many of us, we have those moments where we experience the divine. And then last week, we talked about how we can learn more about God as we know creation and so much of the Bible and Jesus's words himself relate to our connectedness. You know, the stories of being a shepherd and losing a sheep. Well, they make more sense if you know what it means to be a shepherd and you know what it means to sow a seed. And we talked about how being interconnected to the land helps us understand Jesus's words. And this week, what we're we're moving into is a conversation about justice and the conversation that serving the earth is also serving God's people. And seeking justice for God's people is also seeking justice for the earth and all of its creation. Our scripture reading comes from a quintessential call for justice from the prophet Micah. The people of Israel had moved into this time where they were focusing more on the offerings and the sacrifices and the temple worship than they were about God's people that were suffering around them and the people that needed the food and needed the the money to be able to sustain themselves. And they were forgetting a portion of their society. And God reminds them through the prophet Micah over and over again with these questions like, what happened, Israel? Where did we go? Why did, why, how have we missed this? But what's interesting about this passage this morning, can I have that microphone, Brie? What's interesting about this passage this morning, sorry, my microphone is cutting out, that in this passage, it's not just God asking God's people in a dialogue with God and God's people, but it's all of creation is coming up as part of this conversation and this dialogue. That creation itself is being asked to participate in these divine questions of what is happening and why are we forgetting? You know, it's easy for us to be uh, focused on things that we can forget 
what's really important in life, isn't it? And sometimes we can be so focused on the now that we can lose sight of where we're going and the trajectory we're setting on a regular basis. It can be so easy just to do what's easy in the moment. I know none of us have ever had fast food because it was convenient, even though all of us know if we do that regularly, we might have some consequences with our health, right? We just think about the now. I think that that's one of the challenges when we talk about justice, this, this word, because justice is more than just doing something, like one small thing, to help someone. Justice is talking about undoing systems and larger problems that kind of keep people and places entrapped within poverty or within challenges of oppression. And so when we hear the word justice, it's just so big that it gets overwhelming. And especially if I were to say something like eco-justice or to care for the earth or climate change, they get so massive that we don't know what to do with those problems. And on top of that, I know that I think about this all the time, is that when I think about the problems of the earth and the rising sea levels and the temperatures and everything that's going on, I also think about, well, who am I? to make a dent in all that's going on. I remember the, the first, one of my first experiences of this was I was uh, here on island seven years ago. I was not pastor of this church. I was pastor at, uh, Hawaii, or in Hawaii at Kilohana United Methodist Church. But I came to visit one of our longtime members, Natalie Oda. She was here for, uh, she was here up until 99, and she's uh, a treasure within our congregation. And she had a daughter that worshiped at the church in Huaikai. And so she invited us here to Kailua, where we have the parade on 4th of July. And I just started my time in Hawaii. July 1st is when pastors in the United Methodist Church begin their journey. And then there I was, July 4th, with Natalie Oda up in Kailua. And I went to the beach at Kailua. And I'll be honest. Before coming here seven years ago, I had never been to Hawaii, ever. It was only my wife and her, you know, kind of spontaneous, like when they asked us, Are you, do you want to come to Hawaii? And she was like, yes, I do. Decision made. She thought I was joking because it was April 1st, um, but I was serious. And then I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious, Ashley. Do you want to go to Hawaii? They told us we have to tell them today, which is kind of what happens sometimes. They call and say, do you want to move? And you can decide by today. So there we were in North Carolina, and we decided to go. And then I found myself, July 4, right, after this move, on the beach, and then surprised at what looked to be like a plastic utensil massacre all in front of me, right? Because I, I didn't know that there was microplastics that were on the beach just all over. I mean, it was just riddled in the beach. You pick up your hand, and there some are. You scoop some aside, and there's more that's there. I had no idea of the problem of microplastics. That was seven years ago, right? And there I was introduced to something new. And it's a massive problem because as we pick out some of the microplastics, all you have to do is move to the side. And what do you find? More micro... I mean, they're found on the top of Mount Everest of all places. The problems are huge. And even more so, we hear when we listen to people talking about the changes and the challenges, and you hear like numbers thrown out, like 2030, the sea level is going to rise by one inch or point whatever. And then you hear about how, you know, in 2050, these things are going to happen. And it just all seems so far off that it's just hard to take in. 
Well, this summer has been filled with kids' activities. I don't know why, but mostly because I have kids 10, 8, and 6, and they're not in school. And so one of the things that we're doing is watching movies at night. We do movie nights on Friday nights and sometimes Saturday nights. But we've been going through, and the the list has been getting shorter because they've seen everything. And so um, one of the movies that they watched when they were in California visiting uh, my family because we were there for annual conferences, they watched Back to the Future. Yeah, someone read that. That's one of my movies, right? When I was a kid, and then there, I remember we came back and we watched Back to the Future Two when we were back here in Hawaii, and and I remember being in early elementary school and this movie coming out, and Marty McFly travels to the future, right? And you know, there's these hoverboards, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And there's these flying cars, and they could take this little like thing and put it in like a microwave and it just like makes this giant meal. It was like all these cool tech things. And I was convinced that they were going to happen by the time I was Marty McFly's like adult age, right? And, you know, however many years that was beyond. The movie came out in 1989. And, and friends, you want to know when it was set to take place? Like Marty McFly moved to the future in 2015, right? In 2015. So there I was watching with my kids in 2023 and being like, I, th- I thought all of these things would happen and none of it was there. And I know that, you know, this is kind of something that we say as we get older, but those of you who are older than me will continue to say it to me, which is that the time moves by so fast. I'm coming up on my 20-year high school reunion in October. They're celebrating that. So the 20 years and it's flown by. I remember yesterday being with my buddies and celebrating and telling them goodbye because I was moving to California to go to college. But isn't that the interesting thing about time is that the past 20 years can fly by. But when we think about 20 years from now, oh boy, is it too unfathomable to even think about changes we can make that will affect 20 years from now. It just seems so far off in the future that what now will affect then? but we know that it goes by so quickly. God calls us through the prophet Micah to do justice and to not just do justice amongst people, but to do justice in all the earth, that all of creation is coming into this narrative. And one of the things I think that is, it's so easy to be blinded by the magnitude of the problems, be blinded by the future and the unknown But we have ways that we can live this out here and now. You know, we often think that we need to do something huge with huge problems. Like we're going to change the world with an invention that we make or a movement that the church starts. But it, it doesn't work like that. It's the small decisions that we make. The Hebrew here in the book of Micah talks about loving kindness The call of God is not to change the world through massive actions, but to do justice and to be kind. The Hebrew word for kind is hesed, which is one of my favorite words in all the Bible. And hesed communicates God's faithful and steadfast love. And if you ever come to a wedding that I'm officiating at, it's one of my mainstay references every time. Hesed. Because hesed and the love of God is not like this thing that just like happens once, right? Hesed is that choice continually day in and day out to love someone. 
you know, time has flown by, and you may see that my wife is, also has a lave. It's not just because she's ending her time, but we're, we're celebrating our anniversary today, so it's a little bit nostalgic, so you can say happy anniversary, happy anniversary to her. But we have learned, right, that as we have been married throughout these 13 years is that it's not about these grand gestures that remind us of why we foolishly fell into this 13 years ago. But it's in the everyday practices. And as newly to be wed couples come, that's what we talk about is the practices that we instill, the daily routines. God's call to justice is not that we would change the world tomorrow, but that we would practice in small ways, loving kindness towards one another and towards creation. And then the other piece that he adds is to walk humbly, right? Not to imagine that you can change the world, but to be humble and know that perhaps you can't. But it's in our humility and as we try to do the next best thing, that perhaps we might just do the right thing. And I'll admit, I uh, feel bad for saying this, that I've been here for seven years now on Oahu, and uh, it was only until this past semester, in the spring semester, that I've started to learn more about the island of Hawaii, or islands of Hawaii, and its people and its history. My wife, Ashley, has been going through this year-intensive program in nursing at the UH Manoa, and one of the things they require at UH is for all students to take a Hawaiian history class, some sort of class that connects to Hawaii. And so she took this class about uh, climate and Hawaii and ethics, and so I was like, well, she's taking this class. I'm just going to do all the readings with her, right, and all the assignments, because here's a professor handing me kind of like a syllabi. And I was amazed to learn so much more about the heritage, about the history of Waikiki, right, that many of us know, and you probably are thinking, well, how did you not know that it was the greatest wetland in Oahu, next to Kua'inui Marsh, that's right here in our back door. And that it was kind of the Alwana, like that trench, right, it was trenched up and they just threw it over. And then they made the people that were farming that area pay for the soil that then ruined their farm areas. As just an example of the more we look and listen and learn, the more we can recognize the problems that are around us and the challenges. And, and friends, the more that I, you dig into issues that have happened in the past, the more you see how, especially in our modern era, how problems of people are also problems of place and the land. I remember taking a class in Divinity School, Creation Care, and the professor kind of unloaded a little bit about the history of this thing called corn. Have you heard of it before? And the plants of it? And how there's this company called Monsanto, to name one of others, that has, you know, branded their genetic makeup of the plant. But it's not just that, that if your plant is here and the Monsanto garden or farm is here and the wind blows to your side, now you have Monsanto plants and they'll come around and say, well, now you owe us money for those plants that you have. And that sort of practice happens in places like Central America has moved people. 
And so when we look at things like the border crisis, it's interconnected to the land and food, and, and, and just, it just gets so big. Listening and looking helps us. But it's not just that. we got to continue, when we see the problems, to pray together and to talk together. What can we do? And I, I just have two uh, brief stories about two churches that I know of that have done this. And one was a church in North Carolina that a mentor of mine was at. And there was this death that happened. A, a shooting had happened in this community. It was a small town. And, um, and the church had just inherited this land and so they saw this injustice that the shooting was racially tied, and they were thinking about what can we do? And they started praying together as a community, and they said, well, maybe we should do something with this land because it's pretty close to where this racial shooting had happened. And they decided after praying, and, and they were reading uh, the book of uh, Jeremiah, and they decided in that book, one of the things that God calls the people to do is to plant a garden. And so in that through their prayer, they said, we're going to plant a garden. And yeah, I mean, a garden, what does that have to do with racial reconciliation, right? But five years down the road, that garden grew into a community garden, and nonprofits started giving funding to that garden, and they started working with the court systems and getting youth, instead of like going to juvenile hall, they could spend community service hours on the garden, and many of the youth that find themselves going to juvenile hall happened to be youth that were of color. And so there now they were working with these youth and helping teach them life skills and they were able to work the land and the garden and then they decided to start doing potlucks and they did CSAs, like community, like these boxes where people would like pay for a food to come to them each week. And for every one box you buy, you have to buy another one to go to someone who was unable to purchase that food. And perhaps if you, and then, so there out of this small thing, it started to expand, and it's become a model for community gardens throughout the nation. Just a prayer, what can we do to respond? A similar prayer was perhaps said by our bishop who's here with us today. If you've read her bio, one of the things in her CV is that she was at this church in downtown Phoenix, Crossroads, United Methodist Church, and they were looking around and seeing the needs of, you know, food and who gets it and who has access to it, and wanting people to have access to fresh food, not just, you know, the food desert food of, like, convenience stores and different things. And so they decided to start a farmer's market. And they worked alongside the community to develop this farmer's market that grew, and they also found ways where no other farmer's market would accept food stamps at them to partner so that they could figure out a way for people who couldn't afford food to get fresh produce from local farms. And it didn't start with a, a vision of this is exactly what it was going to look like, I'm sure. It started probably with noticing a problem and praying about that together with the community. And last week we talked about this crazy thing that happens when we pray and we decide to do. It's that we believe that God can do something bigger than we imagined. Like the mustard seed and the kingdom of God that what was a mustard seed and small and is planted grows and becomes something bigger than we ever imagine. But here's the thing I'm convinced of, though. If no one plants the mustard seed, it'll never grow. If we don't try to do the small things, it'll never grow into the change we want to see in the world. Friends, 
Justice is hard to instill, especially justice around the earth. It's a huge problem, and one that's going to take years and years to change. But I wonder how we might take the prophet Micah's words, what will you do? How will you instill justice through the small steps of kindness? By walking humbly upon this earth. How might that change the way we relate to the earth and its people? Going back to the class that Ashley had taken and what she had been learning, did you know that out in 2021, out of the risk, like the, the countries that were most at risk from climate change, five, five out of the top 10 were nations in Oceania, island nations interconnected to our Polynesian heritage here on Oahu. To care for the earth is to care for God's people. And to learn more together helps us engage and support one another. In the distance, it's far off, but the change starts now. So let us listen, let us pray, let us do, and let us walk humbly with our God. I invite you to pray with me. God of love, inspire us for change in the world. Amidst the big problems we see, we hope and we pray that we can be part of the solution by the power of your grace at work in us. Help us remember that change starts small and help us remember that we are connected beyond ourselves to the community around us, beyond the community to our denomination, beyond us and throughout the globe as we seek justice to live in kindness and to walk humbly. Instill those values within us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.